The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings with Professor Greg Cosell. Class is in session. There's a lot to get to with Greg Cosell. There's a lot of backup quarterbacks that got a chance to play last week. There's a bunch now that are going to get a chance to play this week. Got to get Greg's breakdown of them. Got to get some winners on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast. All the other shows are posted. Even Money, both Fantasy Feast podcasts, College Draft, Business of Sports. We will have my Thursday night football recap and all my Friday picks tomorrow as well as winners. So you still have a great chance because I haven't picked him yet to be the spread the word winner via social media at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker pod. We especially love the quote tweets and are looking for those. The sponsor confirmation email winner. There have been so many cool sponsors this week. We got picks twice and Crocs and AutoZone. How about Warby Parker? Going to tell you about Warby Parker a little bit later. I rock the Warby Parkers from time to time. And then, of course, the YouTube shout-out. One of my favorite things that we do. It only takes me like 45 seconds, a minute, to do a shout-out for one of you guys that subscribes over at YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. It's free, by the way. You literally just click a thumbs-up thing. It's not like you're paying money. And I get to do a shout-out for you, a cameo-style shout-out, which I love. Just like I love talking with my man, Greg Cosell, it's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Greg, there's a lot to get to, and most of it we will do within the context of the actual games that are being played this weekend, which is nice, which works out well. Uh, We'll start with tonight's game because it's interesting on a couple different levels. We've got the Jets and the Colts. Thursday night football, and I guess we need to start, Greg, with Mike White. You know, he played, obviously, a little bit a couple weeks ago after Zach Wilson got hurt. Then he started last week, and the Jets beat the Bengals. He threw for over 400 yards. What are you seeing, Greg? Yeah, all we have is the one game, and so that's all we can speak to. Uh, 
it was a fascinating game to study because the Bengals did not really challenge the Jets' pass offense at all. They played a lot of zone coverage. They played a much lower percentage of cover one, which is man coverage, than they had in their previous seven games, which, quite frankly, I was a little surprised by that. So given that as the backdrop, I thought White was decisive. He knew where to go with the ball. He showed a good feel for the timing of, of elimination and isolation within the structure of the pass game. The Jets helped him an awful lot with the kinds of things they did with play-action boot, quick game, uh, those kinds of things, so he could get the ball out, screen game. So, you know, I would say he played really well, which were helped by a couple of things. The Jets' pass game design, presenting defined reads and throws. It allowed White to get the ball out quick. The Bengals' inability to generate any consistent pass rush pressure. The Bengals' high percentage zone coverage and their low percentage blitz. So it really set up well for White to play well, and he did. So obviously, Greg, you're not a mind reader. You don't know why they did that. No. But I guess I'm curious, why do teams do that? Why do teams, you know, play more zone than they had been? Why do teams not pressure as much, especially when Cincinnati had been having success on defense with what they had been doing. And it's not like you need to have two deep safety because you're all worried about the Jets passing attack. I, right. I, I'm a little confused as to yeah. why that was the plan. I can't answer that. Um, you know, there are some coaches who believe with a young quarterback, if you play zone, you force them to read it out. But the Jets did a really good job with the quick game. They did a really good job. Uh, with with the short to intermediate route concepts that really defined it well for White. Um, And White, I thought, did a very good job checking it down within the structure. In other words, you see a lot of quarterbacks that sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, and then they check it down late, and that allows the defense to react. I thought he did a good job with some check downs where he got the ball out quick because he saw immediately how they were playing their zone coverage. So White did good things. But I can't speak to why the Bengals played the way they did. So when you watch a guy like Mike White, Greg, is there any way to know whether or not you think, man, this is this this guy could sustain this? This guy could be able to do this? Or is there is the only way to know is just to watch him do it week after week after week? Well, you have to see him against different styles of defense, more man, more pressure how he will react in those situations. He did. The The Bengals did, uh, for instance, play uh, – uh, they went blitz in the red zone uh, when he threw the touchdown to Berrios, the eight-yard touchdown, which ended a really nice drive at the end of the first half. And White did a nice job of kind of sliding to his left through the ball with really precise ball location. But you'd have to see much more against a lot of different defenses, coverages, pressures, in order to have any sense – of, of Mike White. And also you're going to have to see him throw the ball down the field. He didn't really have to throw the ball down the field in this game. Fair to say you expect the Colts to give him a different picture tonight. Yeah. The Colts have played a lot more cover one this year than people might think. Uh, most people think of Matt Eberflus over the last couple of years as predominantly zone. They've really upped their cover one percentage this year. I think you'll see more of that. Um, I think they'll, they'll, 
they'll try to force White to have to be quicker and play faster with his decisions and and physically as well. That's what I would expect. Um, We'll see what happens. Of course, much depends on the flow of the game. On the other side, you've got Greg Carson Wentz, who has played pretty darn well this year. And then you had the end of last week's game against the Titans. You know, Greg, I, I just, this is my opinion. I feel like he has that in his DNA to kind of have a a brain fart or try <laughs> to do too much. Yep. Uh, he's limited it more this year, but I don't know that he'll ever totally get rid of that. Yeah, and, and that's fair based on what we've seen. He has played much better this year overall. This game in the previous week against Tennessee was not his best game. I didn't think he was as comfortable in the pocket versus the Titans as he has been through the last month. He was not quite as rhythmic. Um, Obviously, that Molden interception touchdown is the play you're referring to. But I thought his interception in overtime was more representative of him not playing quite as well because that was a basic kind of post-vertical combination. And he threw the ball to Pittman on the crosser. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a post-crosser combination is what I meant to say. And he threw the ball to Pittman on the crosser, and he was not even close to being available. The underneath coverage had hunted him up, David along the linebacker, and Bayard read that from the get-go. So, you know, he just threw the ball, that ball, as they say, Ross, you've heard this expression, he threw that ball out of the huddle. And that was the play that really said, well, he, he just didn't see that at all. Um, so this past week, he was not quite as good. Um yeah, and I think you're right. That may just be in his DNA because he had a couple of other plays like that in this game that didn't result in in negative plays, but plays you things you just can't do. The Falcons are playing at the Saints. A couple interesting things there. You know, without Ridley, obviously Kyle Pitts becomes the guy for the Falcons, and I saw Stephon Gilmore covering him at times. And then meanwhile, on the other side, I we don't even know who the quarterback for the Saints will be. No, without Jameis Winston, it could be Trevor Simeon, could be Taysom Hill. I guess the question there, Greg, would be what? How well was Jameis playing, and what does the offense look like, whether it's Simeon or Hill? Well, I think it's we can leave the Jameis thing alone because he's not playing. So let's look at at Simeon and Hill. They're different players. Simeon has started in this league, and he would fit the description of the pure system player where he needs the offensive scheme and structure to help him. And we know that Sean Payton is really, really good at that. So Simeon can function in that offense. I think they're going to need a little more from their run game. I think they knew that, which is why they traded for Mark Ingram, uh, because I don't think they want Kamara to be a foundation back in terms of getting 20 carries a game. So they'll need more from their run game. And then Peyton will have to scheme it up in in certain situations. They'll take some shots on first down to try to get some some explosive plays. And then when you get into the longer yarded situations, that's where Simeon will need the help of a Sean Peyton. If it's Hill, you've got a totally different element to what he brings to the table because he brings the run game element by the quarterback to the table. So it's a different offense. So... I guess we don't know. They're they're probably not going to make a, an announcement. People will find out based on who's taking the snaps uh, at number one during the course of the week. But it would be two different offenses, essentially. 
Another game I wanted to talk to you about that I think is really interesting, it's the Chargers and the Eagles. You know, the Chargers have kind of been slowed down on offense two games in a row now by the Ravens and the Patriots. Meanwhile, the Eagles look like kind of like a different team uh, against the Lions with as much as they ran the football. I guess you can start, Greg, on either side here. Yeah, well, what was interesting watching the Chargers offense is what Bill Belichick did. Bill Belichick normally is fairly consistent from a coverage perspective. They, he normally plays a lot of man coverage. Now he'll feature some doubles and some brackets in given situations, depending on who he's playing against. But normally he's not that multiple from a coverage standpoint. He's far more multiple with his fronts. But in this given game against Justin Herbert and the Chargers, he was far more multiple with his coverages, and he clearly wanted Herbert to have to think after the snap of the ball. And, again, I don't know if Jonathan Gannon will do that. I will say this. I thought the Eagles, and, and people can say what they want about the Lions, it's still an NFL game, but I thought the Eagles did a lot more from a coverage standpoint in terms of wrinkles based on the coverage call and the offensive formation. I thought they played a lot more uh, boundary lock, meaning matching up to the boundary receivers in man coverage when they were in cover three and and, in their zone principles. Um, I thought they did something the Saints do a lot of. They play man-to-man outside the numbers and zone match inside. Um, So I thought they featured more man-match principles in their foundational zone coverage concepts, and I'll be very curious to see if they continue to do that against the Chargers. Interesting. Okay. Uh, both those things are interesting. Is is Herbert not playing well, Greg? Um, I didn't think he played well against the Ravens. I thought he was just off. This past week against the uh, Patriots, I thought they caught him a, a number of times where he dropped back and he had to think it through, and he just wasn't as, as decisive and precise. So uh, is he has he played well the last two weeks? No, for different reasons. What about the Eagles offensively and, and what they did leaning on the run game against Detroit? Yeah, and I thought, you know, they had, their third possession of the game to me really spoke to, to what I think they might move toward. Um, is They started the third possession with Hertz under center in 13 personnel, three tight ends. Now, you don't have to do this out of three tight ends, but they had four consecutive runs to start their third possession with Hertz under center and 13 personnel. And they did put Hertz under center more in this game to run the ball. Now, obviously, Ross, you can't get by in every game with your quarterback dropping back 17 times. That's not going to happen. So we're going to see what they do with the pass game, whether the pass game now works more off conventional play action with Hertz under center. That's something we don't know the answer to. We may find out this week because if, if, if the Chargers offense starts to work a little bit, the, the Eagles are going to have to score. So we'll see. Interesting. A um, couple other games I wanted to ask you about. Packers and the Chiefs, obviously it's a big game. Now it's a very interesting game with Aaron Rodgers out after testing positive for COVID. Jordan Love, uh, Greg, what, what have you seen so far? What are you expecting to see on Sunday in Kansas City? Well, my guess is you'll see a heavy dose of the run game uh, with Dylan, with Jones. 
that's kind of what they did in the last game when they when they beat the uh, Cardinals when they did not have Devontae Adams. Um, I think you'll see something very similar. You'll see play action, which is part of the Matt LaFleur scheme anyway. Maybe you'll see a few shot plays in normal down and distance situations. But I think it will be a heavy dose of the run game, assuming the game stays close. And the way the Chiefs offense is playing right now, um, I, you would think that the game would be close. Yeah, why is the Chiefs offense playing like that? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons to go around. Mahomes is clearly not playing well. Um, I don't think he's seeing things within the structure and the order and the purpose of the progression uh, as, as well as he needs to. I don't think he's playing with what we call a calm helmet. You watch a quarterback drop back, Ross, and if his head is moving back and forth as he's dropping back, then he's not seeing things. And there's too many snaps where Mahomes' head is moving back and forth. Um, but it's not all on him. I don't think they have a meaningful run game. They tried to do some of that in the Monday night game, and they had a stretch where it worked. We'll see if there's more of that. Um, teams are playing a lot of split safety against them, a lot of two-man coverage. They're really having a hard time with these split safety coverages, particularly two-man. So they've got a number of things to work out. Uh, their big plays are way down from a year ago through eight games. They're 20-plus yard completions. So uh, they're an offense that's not making explosive plays in the pass game and doesn't really run the ball with any consistency or volume. So, you know, they've got some things to figure out right now. Last game I wanted to chat with you about, it's the Titans and the Rams because uh. there's a couple interesting things here. The Titans aren't going to have Derrick Henry. Greg, yeah. likely for the rest of the season. We don't really know what they're going to do now. Um, what what do you expect, and how much does this change what who they are? Well, there's so many elements to this game. We Unfortunately, we can't get into all of them. We could sp speak about this game for a half hour. Um, number one, teams will more than likely play the Titans differently, particularly on early downs, because Derrick Henry ran the ball on first down, an average of close to 17 times a game, 17 first down runs per game. So defenses built their entire defense around that. I don't believe defenses will do that. The, now the question is, what will the Titans do? Will they say, stay with their same basic approach, or will they feel they have to add some wrinkles and throw the ball a little more? By choice. I'm not talking about third and nine. I'm talking about first down. So we don't know the answer to that. The other issue that they have is they're playing now a defense that's going to have, particularly when you get into long yardage and third down, that's going to have Von Miller and Aaron Donald. And how do you deal with that from a protection standpoint? And do you need to keep bodies in to add to your protection, which then limits the number of receivers that can go into routes? We don't know the answer to that. The other side of the ball, the Rams line up in empty formations far more than any team in the league. And Stafford has been so good out of empty because when you line up an empty Ross, you get tendency predictability of coverage. You get a lot of tells from the defense because defenses do not play that many coverages versus empty. They play one or two and you will know what they are going into the game. So there's so many elements to this game. It's a fascinating game. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember Brady loved, when I was in New England, Brady loved empty because he felt like you couldn't disguise anything. No, there's, yeah. There's no hiding in no, empty. 
No, because the field is spread. And as I said, you get tendency predictability of coverage. You basically know what you're going to see. The only potential concern you have is pressure that cannot be blocked, but you're going to see that. You know, Brady's a veteran. Stafford's a veteran. They see that stuff. It's not a surprise to them. Yeah, we I, you have you have some strong tendencies as well, Greg. You have a tendency to be awesome every time you're on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Check him out on social at Greg Cosell so you can consume all of his content, including the NFL matchup show. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. And thank you, Warby Parker. Listen, I'm actually if you are watching on YouTube, I'm going to put on my Warby Parker blue light glasses. Man, I've never been on the show before with blue light glasses on, but they're awesome. I got sunglasses from Warby Parker. I got blue light glasses. Don't let your FSA or HSA dollars go to waste. Put them to good use on Warby Parker prescription glasses, prescription sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses Glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses. Here's what's really cool about Warby Parker. I did this with my wife. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses. You try them at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. I love companies that make it easy and save me time. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash Ross. I ended up keeping three of them. It was great. Or ordering three of them. Awesome. Warbyparker.com slash Ross. Ducks takes. Aaron Rodgers. Let's start there. Tested positive for COVID. Out at least 10 days because he's unvaccinated. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot to talk about here, obviously. Um, They're signing Blake Bortles because I think Kurt Bankert, who is on the practice squad, tested positive as well. So it looks like Jordan Love hasn't tested positive yet, will be the starter. And I guess he's not considered a close contact with Bankert or Rodgers. And then Bortles will come in on practice squad and eventually, I think, be the number two for the game. You know, I guess here's a couple thoughts I have, Brian. Number one, we talk all the time about, you know, your vaccination status being a, a personal decision. But with the way the NFL rules are for vaccinated versus unvaccinated, it's really not. You know, I mean, I, I'm not here to debate the vaccination thing. I, I don't want to get into that. People have such strong opinions that there's nothing anybody can say that can change those. However, it's not really a personal decision when you're part of a team, let alone a leader of a team and the best player on the team. I mean, you can disagree with the NFL and NFLPA vaccination rules, but those are the rules. And so we know, based on everything I've read, you're less likely to test positive if you're vaccinated. You're less likely to transmit it if you're vaccinated. And you're less likely to be hospitalized by it. 
So that's number one. Then number two on the other side, if you're unvaccinated and you test positive like Aaron Rodgers did, you're out a minimum of 10 days. He might miss the next game as well. So, yeah, I suppose it's a personal decision, but when you're on a team, it's kind of hard to kind of hard to be a leader. Kind of hard to be kind of hard to say that going to the Super Bowl and winning it is your number one priority if knowing the rules that the NFL and NFLPA agreed to, you chose to not be vaccinated. So his decision, personal decision, but uh, certainly says something about, you know, his priorities in a team concept. And then I'll let other people debate the fact that it felt like he was certainly misleading about his vaccination status at a minimum. You know, there are other guys like Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins who it, it feels like they really owned their decision to be unvaccinated, whereas Rodgers clearly didn't want the criticism. He clearly didn't want people to know he was unvaccinated. So there, there's a lot there, and I'll leave it at that. Ducks takes. Aaron Rodgers not the only COVID positive. We also had Giants running back Saquon Barkley and Cardinals wide receiver A.J. Green. So I don't know A.J. Green's vaccination status. I do know Saquon Barkley is vaccinated. And again, you can still test positive. But as soon as he gets back-to-back negative tests, two negative tests within 24 hours of each other, he can play. He can come back. So Aaron Rodgers might miss a second game as a result of this, whereas Saquon Barkley, theoretically, might not miss a game at all. It's just a huge difference. And again, I don't know what A.J. Green's deal is. Takes. Two other big pieces of information. Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. being excused from practice after what he did on Tuesday. And there was a report that former Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs was driving 156 miles an hour and twice the legal limit when he got in what proved to be a fatal accident on Tuesday morning. So it feels like the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff is coming to a head. The Browns basically told him, we don't want you around yesterday. And they're trying to figure out how to get rid of him without having to pay him. I think he's still due $8 million. $8 million. Uh, not a big fan of the way Odell Beckham Jr. goes about his business at all. Not at all. And in fact, I thought Tuesday was at best cowardly. At best. And I loved the way Baker Mayfield handled things yesterday when he was asked about it. Because they said, would he accept an apology? He said, I think any, any conversation would go a long way. As for Henry Ruggs, I really don't even know what to say. 156 miles per hour. 156 miles per hour. And twice the legal limit. I don't know what to say other than it's absolutely awful. And he is going to have to face the repercussions of his actions. You know, we all have the ability to choose our decisions and our actions, but once you do, 
you have to answer for them. You have to be accountable, and Henry Ruggs is going to be. Ducks takes. And in some other news, Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas will miss the rest of the season with a setback on his ankle injury. And Washington defensive end Montez Sweat's going to miss about a month with a broken jaw. And Eagles cut linebacker Eric Wilson. The Eric Wilson thing just never worked. I'm surprised. You know, he had a great year for the Vikings last year. My guess is they'll probably sign him for the minimum because he was very productive for them last year. But he did not work out for the Eagles. Losing Montez Sweat is tough because Washington's D-line finally had started to play at a pretty high level. Broken jaw sounds horrible. And then for Michael Thomas, yikes. I I don't know what's going on with this uh, setback with the ankle injury, but he hasn't really been right since he injured it the first game of last season, the 2020 season. Not good. You know what else isn't good? Not being prepared for bad weather during the winter with your car. Head over to AutoZone. Visibility is your first line of defense when it comes to staying safer on the road. Seeing better means spotting the unexpected even faster. Not only that, but now to November 7th, they got exclusive deals during AutoZone Visibility Week. I've told you about the wiper blades. I've told you about the LED fog twin pack. Here's the key today. Sign up for the AutoZone Rewards Program. Why not? You get another $5 bonus reward just for joining. And then when you go to AutoZone.com, you can see all of the other AutoZone Visibility Week offers they have. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Let's do a quick email, Brian. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address, Ross at RossTucker.com. We usually get to a couple a week. I guess it depends on how eventful Everything is going on in the NFL, but you can, this has been an eventful week. You can email me always, Ross at RossTucker.com. If you take advantage of any of the sponsors like Warby Parker or whatever, you can ask me any question you want and maybe win a free Madden or one of these awesome press passes. What do you got, Bri? Well, today's question, I have no idea who it's from, Ross, but... uh, Yeah, neither do I. Sorry. So we'll just call him Dave. Why not? Um, <laughs> hey, Ross, when you were younger, prior to, uh, prior to being in the NFL, were you a bigger fan of specific players, football in general, or coaches? I find myself drawn to rooting for coaches. I think bring something special to the game and the players more than anything else. Uh, was super excited to see Bruce Arians get a trophy as a head coach finally. Your thoughts? Never really was that enamored with coaches. I mean, I grew up, for me, it was teams. It was while missing my high school. It was Penn State, you know, where we had season tickets, and it was the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, that was – those were the three things that I loved. And I – I mean, I liked Paterno, and I liked Coach Wolfram for why missing, and Buddy Ryan or whoever for the Eagles. But it was really about the teams and the players. I, that, I was really into my high school, Penn State, And the Eagles. When all three of them won, I was super duper happy. And when they all lost, which was really rare, I was uh, very, very upset. Good question. Really good question. Now, I never really, I never really was that enamored with coaches. I, you know, I wanted to be a player. I wanted to be a big football player. And so I looked up to those guys. Shout outs, by the way, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, 
Vision Comics with an X, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, and all of you that are with small businesses and you overcome the odds, you rewrite the playbook, you deliver under pressure, the MVPs of small business, like our I Think We're Done Here members at Patreon.com slash RT Media, lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their business and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network working for everyone. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.